You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Six out of six points for the Philadelphia Flyers this week. A successful week, and the goalie tandem pitches a shutout. This is Orange and Backcheck starting right now. This is the Orange and Backcheck podcast with Bill Kornfeld and Scott Weinhardt. Episode 67 of Orange and Backcheck. So glad you are here. Across from me, a guy, as always, who has trouble putting on his shorts. Scott Weinhardt. What's well, going on, brother? Hey, listen, listen. Let's give people the backstory. Now you just throw that out there. I've got these mm-hmm. mass because I, I I played hockey. So I got these massive tree trunks for, for quads. And I have to buy my shorts bigger because otherwise they don't fit. If I buy the actual size I fit in around my waist, they don't fit my legs. And if I had to buy a size bigger, then they fall down unless I tie them off. So I, I have the worst luck in the world when it comes to shorts. It's got to be a goalie thing. Maybe, man. I'm telling you, there's this, there's this thing out there, and it's true. It's called hockey ass. Like legit. Like <laughs> I've got to buy my pants one size bigger just to get them around my legs and my back end because because <laughs> I'm working all those muscles for all those years. So well, yeah, certainly. Who has good good those muscles is, is the <laughs> the tandem of uh, Brian Elliott and Carter Hart. I want to start with these two because we talked about last week. Uh, about how and really before even the game the, the throughout the week you and I were going back and forth after uh Carter Hart struggles against Boston in in Lake Tahoe uh the the doubters started to creep in I wouldn't say I doubted him but I was kind of looking at Carter like maybe he needs to take a, a reset focus on in practice get with the goalie coach and just come back in a week like and, and thankfully that's exactly what happened um, but after Brian Elliott shut out the Buffalo Sabres again, this was his second. He has two shutouts on the year, both both of them against Buffalo. I was kind of like, just ride the hot hand. We talked about how it, at some point during the season, AV, Elaine Vigneault is going to say, I'm just going to go with the hot hand. As long as Carter's struggling, I'm riding the hot hand. And at the, right now you can't deny that at the time, now both of them are riding the hot hand because once you go the, the uh, p- both pitch a shutout, it, it, you're both your dealer's choice here. But Brian Elliott has been one of the hottest backup goalies in in the, in the NHL this year, um, and it just kind of was ballsy, I thought, for AV to just stick with the plan of keeping Carter Hart in on sun- on Sunday night Sunday afternoons game against Buffalo, and it just worked out because Carter Hart is able to reset himself and do what he's able to do. Well, they talked about after the Tahoe game, Brian Elliott came out and said when he went in, it was really weird because we talked last week about puck tracking and how important that is for a goaltender. And Mm -hmm. with the way the lights and the shadows are happening, 
Brian Elliott said it was very hard to track the puck. So instead of seeing the full thing, especially when it goes up and you don't have good lighting in the area, you lose sight of it. It sometimes that could happen, and that's what happened to Hart. He, you, you knew by the time he left that game, he was going to hit the reset button. He, he got with Kim Dillabaugh this week, kind of just reset him, got him back to basics, focused on other things outside of hockey, which is really, really good for a mental makeup for a goaltender because they get you that reset. They kind of, you know, as Ty Conklin likes to say, you just got to go out there and not give an F. And mm-hmm. and and it's the truth and exactly what you need to do it. I thought you saw that out of Carter Hart on Sunday. But before we get to that, I Sunday or Saturday with Brian Elliott, you're right. The fact that he's come in here this season and he's pushing Carter Hart for time. It's not that he's 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 they're giving starts to give Carter a rest. His play is earning him more ice time. So yes. I think that's the best thing right now because you have Brian Elliott pushing Carter Hart for at ice time and pushing Carter Hart to become better. And, and, you- and you're going to need that as you go forward. And you always hear about how uh, when you have two goalies, you really have none in terms of when you don't really know if you keep doing this carousel, as they say, you go one game with one guy, the next game is the other guy, and you just keep going back and forth. Uh, that's an outside of the norm, not a normal back-to-back scenario or something like that. We, I mean, Flyers fans have been dealing with a, with that kind of scenario for, for decades up until recently. Um but when you have a tandem that can pair off with each other, like as you were saying, Brian Elliott is pushing Carter Hart to be his absolute best. And he hasn't been his best up until he finally pitched. He got this shutout on Sunday night. Um, it's just one of those things where I'm leaning towards. This is one of the best tandems that we've had, if not one of the best in the NHL right now um, for the, for the league. Like it, it's, it's getting to that point. And it leads me to think like whether AV goes a 60-40 split, 55-45 split with whoever it's going to be. At the end of it, I would imagine it's going to be, I would bank on it being Carter, but you never know. It could get crazy by the end of this, by towards the end of the season, especially with what, how things are going with COVID. But like, it's a good, they always say it's cliche, but it's a good problem to have. And that's for sure with this team, with this team having two really good goalies that you, but, and yet you still know who the number one starter is or who the future is. I should say that that's a good thing to have. And it's not a problem. Like it's been in the past with like Boucher and Layton or someone like that. I don't think it's a problem in the sense. I don't think it's it, just the way the game has changed over the last decade. I mean, let's be real. There's a lot of goalies who used to log a lot of minutes. We're talking Martin Brodeur playing close to 70 games a season. Henrik Lundqvist playing over 60. Carey Price playing over 60 when he was healthy. Yeah. Um, Tuka Rask getting about 50 games a year when, when Tim Thomas left. Um, nowadays, it, it's important to have two goaltenders because you need your starter fresh for a playoff run. You know, it used to be, oh, starting goalie needs to play 60 games. Okay, well, if you have a competent backup, you don't need to run your starter 60 games and wear them down. I mean, think about it this way. Let's look at all the tandems around the NHL. Let's start in Boston. How many games does Tuka Rass play as opposed to Yaroslav Halak? I don't say that's 50-50, but it's a 60-40 split. And also, you have here in Philadelphia, you have Carter Hart, and we've had uh, with, with Brian Elliott, and we've also had some good tandems in the pets. Steve Mason and Michael Neuvert, that was a good one. Steve Mason and Ray Emery, you know, uh, back when uh, Ray Emery's first tenure came around, he came over and got I hurt. I agree that in that. Yeah, I agree. But those tandems didn't feel like there was a clear number one and a clear number two. I think there's, I think there's a, you don't need a clear number one. You don't need a clear number one. You need a goaltender sure. that keeps the puck out of the net. 
Sure, but I think at the same time in this in the scenario that is that we're f- referring to with Carter Hart and Brian Elliott, like Brian Elliott's not here in ten years. Carter Hart is. That's that's where I think the, the, right. Like you're banking on what you've seen the the blueprint of what Carter Hart has been for the last two and a half seasons. Plus, like that is the blueprint for what you have in ten years, eleven years. Brian Elliott is kind of just here for the ride you hope he is the 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 not the missing piece but one of the major pieces to uh an eventual cup run and a cup win i don't know see i i don't agree i think the game's changing where you need two goaltenders and i think you have one you have i don't think you have a legit starter and backup anymore i think you have a 1a and a 1b i think you have your let's go around the league and look at it look look at look at the you know the team i probably despise as much the dallas cowboys that's the toronto maple leafs they have Freddie Anderson, and their problem was is that Freddie Anderson used to log like between like 60 and 65 games each year because they never had a competent backup to take minutes off of. Now they have one in Jack Campbell. Jack Campbell's gotten some starts and it's played well, which is keeping more gas in the tank for Freddie Anderson, who the least feel they could take on a run. Let's look at Montreal. Carey Price has Jake Allen. They went out and acquired Jake Allen, who has pretty much a starter salary at three and a half million dollars. Yeah, and he had yep. and they and, and Carey Price making 10 million. And they need Allen to put, come up and play lately and play well because Carey Price hasn't played well. You know, there's some teams that legit where you're not going to have a guy where you're going to have a backup, like like Andre Vasilevsky, because he's a younger guy and he's won a Stanley Cup and he's shown that he can own the minutes and that team is overall playing very well. But look across the rest of the league and you'll find guys where you need to split starts. Washington's a great example because now they need to split Craig Anderson and, and, and um, Vanacek because – Lundquist was out and it probably would have been the same concept anyway. Matt, look at the Penguins last season. Last season they had Matt Murray and they had Tristan Jari. And now they have Jari and they have um, I think Casey DeSmith behind him because Jari wasn't playing well at certain points. The, what I'm trying to say is that it's not so much anymore you have a starter and a backup. And yes, we hope that Carter Hart becomes an elite starter like an Andre Vasilevsky or a, Car- or a Carey Price a couple years ago. And we hope he gets that and he probably will. But for success in the NHL, especially this season, with how many games and how many nights you're going to have, yep. you need competent. You need a very, very competent backup, a guy who can slide in there and steal you wins and get you points. Because at the end of the day, it's such a rat race out there for these points, especially how tight this division is. Uh, you, you, you just need you need two goaltenders so you're not burning at your starter. So by the time you get to the playoffs, you can lean on that one A and know if he hasn't played well. You can go back to your one B. I mean, around the league, it's like Vancouver, another one, Braden Holpe and Thatcher Demko. There, that's another great one. Even, even uh, it's called Jacob Markstrom beside a massive contract in Calgary. He's been pretty much lately split and starts with Dave Riddick, who isn't really that great. Uh, all due respect, but <laughs> it's true. He's not that great. And, and but at the same time, you you need two goaltenders to nab you points, and that's where the league is heading. And I don't see that changing anytime soon. And I think that the exception isn't going to be the tandem anymore. The, the exception is going to be the guy who plays 60 games. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and my point is, I think the overall, again, we're talking about a small window of, of a blueprint we, uh, with Carter Hart, like two and a half seasons is nothing in the career of a goalie. Like that, that, that gives you a good idea of what the trajectory trajectory could be, but it doesn't give you the full story. I think the, 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 
ultimate hope is, in my personal opinion, is Carter Hart is that 60 game a season in a full 82 games. But Brian Elliott is never going to be that anymore. Like he, his injury problems and stuff like that. That's where I think, yes, it's 1A and 1B, but that 1A, who in my opinion is Carter Hart, still has the edge well a, a decent edge over what brian elliott is in this organization i think agreed. that's where i come down to agreed but right now the hot hand is brian elliott so while you've got elliott by carter hart did get a shut on sunday i think you turn right back around tomorrow night and you go with brian elliott because he's earned that time make that. could be continue to have brian elliott push carter hart for those minutes because carter hart's not going to give up on that he's going to work hard and eventually what will wind up happening is that it'll get to a point where Carter Hart's play, you're going to have to turn back to him and he's not going to look, look behind his shoulder again. So this isn't going to be some sort of Carson Wentz, Nick Foles type situation. It's clear cut. Carter Hart is the future. But right now you have a veteran pushing him for minutes. You got to give the veteran those minutes. Sure. And in another sense of, uh, of a hot hand returning, Claude Giroux came back. I mean, the good news is, Everyone is off the COVID list. Travis Konechny came off the list uh, late in, during the game on Sunday. Uh, I think like the second period, whatever it was. Uh, and congratulations to him. He just announced that his girlfriend or wife, I don't know who it is, uh, is having a baby. So they're, they're like, I don't know if he's married. That's all I don't know. That's the only thing I don't know. <laughs> that doesn't matter. He's having a kid. It's congratulations yeah, it's to awesome. him. So everyone is healthy. Claude Giroux was one of the first. By the way, I love the idea that, and AV later clarified, like he had no doubts that this was going to be the first game back for Claude Giroux. Uh, like, but it was so obvious he was going to come back for the Rangers game. And man, this kid, when when people look at Claude Giroux's career and you wonder what he produces, what he did on Wednesday night is exactly what you expect from... Drove a, the play. Like, drove the play. He was a force and he hit the post like he always does. Well, but again, he's not a shooter. He's. I know, I'm just making a point. He yeah. just I feel bad. He always he has so many goals that hit the posts. Yes. He's, yes. He's generating a lot. He generated a lot of offense for them against the Rangers. Played a very good game overall. And even against Buffalo on Saturday, he really, when he was out there, he drove some chances to the net. So uh, getting Claude back is just a huge, huge impact for this team because not only does it give him a skill boost, it gives him that emotion boost. Your captain is back. There's yeah. a guy who sees the team after a disastrous Tahoe game and just went out and led by example in the following game, and they get two points out of it. That's 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 reminiscent of why he became captain. People don't people tend to forget how impactful the shift was in 2012. Like yep. people don't forget that's what pretty much gave him the captaincy at that point. He or not sorry, not gave it. That's what earned him the captaincy at that point. Because that's the type of leader that you need that to be like, boys, get on my back. I'm leading this thing. And he may not have the same skill set and point production that he did five years ago, but he still has that overall leadership and drive, which this team is going to need as they go further into the season. Yeah, I mean, like as soon as he comes back into the into the fold, I mean, Justin Braun also returned returned to the lineup that night. And it was just which one of those, which is a benefit as well. But like, when Claude comes back, the offense just seems to be more tight. Like, yes, we can talk about until the cows come home about how important Sean Couturier is to this roster. And there's, it's obvious, like he's a Selkie winner. He's the best offensive forward or defensive forward in the NHL. But when you get Claude Drew back for this team, you're not just getting your captain, you're getting your, your playmaker. The playmaker that ability that Claude Giroux is, is one of the best in the league. He's underappreciated in Philadelphia. I've said this time and time again. He's yep. 
appreciated to a certain extent in the throughout the NHL. A couple things I would, a couple uh, of experts I would like to see really like reevaluate how they view him. But when Claude Giroux is out on the ice, this team is that much better. And what you saw just for them to come back uh, for this weekend shift. And again, people look at him and he's well, he's not producing on the, the, the power play. I think he has one goal over the course of this season on the power play, but I'm like, that, that yes goals are important no duh you the object of the game is to put pucks in the back of the net but what Claude does the, the intangibles is similar to what Sean Couturier is able to do only Sean Couturier also is very very productive on on the on the even strength and the power play and that's the difference there and I think that a lot of people again it goes back to the league not marketing these guys enough they can't mm-hmm. people don't see the little things that they do and why they're so important to the game and it wouldn't hurt the league at all to gain more popularity to give more people insight of why this player is considered good at hockey. Like granted, they're all good at hockey because they're pros. Yeah. Uh, but why is Sean Couturier such an impact piece? Okay. Why is the center position such an important thing? Why is it important that he's a Selkie candidate every year because of all the little things that he does, everybody wants to look at stats as a bottom line. And granted, when you score goals, it is a skill, especially when you do it in the best league in the world in the NHL. But there's a lot of intangibles. If you're defending that guy who scores a lot of goals and he didn't score any, you never see that guy get props. It's always the other guy. Well, he didn't score any goals tonight. He's not doing his four-hours team. You don't see that the extra effort the other teams are putting up against you in order to um, in order to keep you from doing your thing. And other teams have a very hard time doing that against Sean Couturier and, and guys like uh, Claude Giroux. And in, until playoff time, when it really is magnified, it's a shame that people don't see why some of these players don't have such an impact on their team like they do. And Claude Giroux, again, is one of them. But again, it comes down to this. And when you, and this is the most honest thing I can say about this. Nobody will ever care about Claude Giroux unless he wins a Stanley Cup. I'm sorry. When it comes down to 10, 15, 20 years from now, the average fan will not remember Claude Giroux. They will only remember the bullies if they won this thing. Because yeah. People barely remember Eric Lindros and how dominant of a player he was at that time. And nobody talks about Lindros. Yeah. He's hardly ever brought up. Nobody realizes the Hall of Fame talent that guy was and should have been a Hall of Famer if he did not have concussion injury. John LeClaire scored 50 goals three years in a row, like in a very tight defensive league in the late 90s. Are you kidding me? That's Hall of Fame talent right there. But nobody really wants to remember those guys unless they have a championship out of their head. And now, granted, that's what you're judged by in this world, and that's yep. fine. Yep. But you don't realize what you're missing out if you're only looking, counting at the number of rings that you have. I mean, let's let's be real. Corey, Corey Crawford was one of the better goaltenders, not one of the great goaltenders, and he's got two Stanley Cups. But yet again, he's eh, he's not really near the top of the league. It's it, but Chris Osgood has got also two Stanley Cups. He was one of the best goaltenders ever well, to play in Detroit. And I'm just making a statement that the people are judging him, but don't really realize is how good that player was. But, oh, it was a team thing. Chicago was a really good team. Detroit was a really good team back then. It bothers me that, oh, look, well, th- these people are only judged by their championships. Then those guys need to be on a platter because you see how well – they played for their teams. The only difference is the only exception it seems is is Lundqvist. Lundqvist has been beloved in this league for for since he came into it. It feels, and he has not won a cup. Like he's he he's was dubbed, final. Yeah, he's been to a like he he's been dubbed the king, not just of New York, but just the the king in general. And he hasn't done anything. 
Like, yeah. I, I'm fo- of course, I'm fine with his nickname. I, I love Lundqvist, but like it goes to that point. Like it's all about of championships and Lundqvist just seems to have been able to skirt past that. Like it, it's very yeah. like unless I'm missing something in the New York media. If you, if you, I know there's New York listeners we have on this podcast. Like, shoot us an email. Like, what is Lundquist's legacy in New York now that he's down in Washington? Orange and Backstreet at gmail.com. I'd love to know what New York's thoughts are on Lundquist now. Even better example, an active player right now. We talked about a little earlier. Carey Price. Carey Price yeah. is beloved Great. in this league, but hasn't done a damn thing. Mm-hmm. Carey Price hasn't even been to a final. At least Lundquist has been to one. Yep. You know, Carey yep. Price has been riddled with injuries, but he's technically he has his technique is the most you know he's been around he hasn't been around great teams and he's carried them and Lundquist carried teams and not to go on I apologize for going on a rant here but it drives me nuts up a wall and it drives me crazy that a guy like Giroux would be remembered as oh he was a really good player but never got it done for this city like you don't realize the amount of effort and the amount of grit that this he is legit been a superstar superstar for a decade not a superstar he's not a Walmart yeah. but he's been a superstar <laughs> for a decade and there were flashes of it even when he was shattered by guys like Chris Prong or Danny Briere like yep he's been like legit well, superstar we needed just not on the national stage because he hasn't won that cup yet. The ultimate thing that had me like in my ball corner in the like crying in the corner was someone a Flyers Twitter account uh, said Claude Giroux is going to win a Stanley Cup before his career is over, but it's going to be with the National Predator Predators because he it's going to be it, like it 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 caused me, a rebuild. I know, but like the the thought process is because Claude's obviously contract is up after next season and the Flyers just being the Flyers they're not going to extend him and then he signs with a contender at the, and then you never know where you are in 2 years for a, for a roster and then it just it, it gave me heart palpitations. It was my ultimate fear that he wins a Stanley Cup but it's not with the orange and black. That's my Listen. ultimate fear. And it, it's happened before where guys have left here and won Stanley Cups. Justin Williams, Patrick Sharp, those guys won Cups and they left here. I think Michael Hanzus won one as well. I might have won two with Chicago. Um, they 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 have done it. The the Flyers, they've gotten, given up some players and, and let them go, and they've gone to a cup. Uh, look, Kimo Tiemann was a great one, 2015 with Chicago. He won the Cup. Um, and Braden Coburn last year with Tampa. He was traded there yep. five years ago. Yep. Uh, there, there's guys that leave here and win cups. It's part of the game. Eventually you're going to go to a place and hopefully you get a chance and, and you win one. Um, I just hope that people understand exactly that this team, and I, I don't want to get into the Claude contract situation until we get closer next season. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But i tell you what, if, if Claude would be the most beloved athlete in this city, if, if he, if, if this team can win a stand cup, here's why, because we talk about the Phillies from 2008, and but only people think of like Colt Hamels or Ryan Howard or Jimmy mm-hmm. Jimmy Rollins. Chase you talk Lee. about yeah. the Eagles Super Bowl and you talk about uh, Nick Foles. You don't talk about anybody else. You don't talk about yeah. anybody else in that team. You talk about Nick Foles. You talk about the Sixers from '83. Well, nobody talks about the Sixers. Uh, but uh, you talk Julius about Irving. Uh, what's that? Julius Irving. Come yeah, on. Okay, Doctor J. I'll give you that. Moses Malone There's and Moses Malone. Malone. Um, you talk about the Flyers. You don't talk about any specific player. You talk about the bullies. You talk about the bullies as a whole. And Bobby Bernie, Clark. And, and well, Bernie. The, the, he was part of it, but that's my point. Yeah. Is that you talk about Bernie. You talk about Bobby Clark. You talk about Bill Barbie. You talk about Rick McLeish. You talk about Barry Ashby. You talk about the Watson brothers. You, you talk about all those guys. And that's the thing is about the Flyers. For whatever reason, people just remember 
the whole aura of everything that happened because they were so yeah. unique at that time. Because out of all the teams, well, everybody, Eagles are the most popular. Everybody loves the Phillies. Without a doubt, if you ask me, the most beloved team in the city are the Flyers. There's just no question. It's just if they, if you, that team takes you on a run, they just pull your heartstrings for whatever yeah. reason. You got the, you, that's why they, he, needs, he needs to be remembered to that. It'd be awesome. If he were to win a cup, he would be immortalized in this town as one of the guys, uh, man, the kids got it done. He'd be immortalized as one of those kids. Well, but, but like, I didn't want to, uh, this just drives the question that I had probably like, this is a, a question like four weeks down the line, but I'll just ask it now. Uh, like how confident are you in this team right now? The 2021 team, this far in 11 one and one against teams not named Boston. How confident are you that they can make a real run as it currently stands? Forget the trade rumors that's going on with Nashville, anyone else for, for a defenseman that you can pair with Provorov or just have a second D man. How com- how confident are you that this team is the team that can make a deep run to the Eastern conference final and beyond? I can't make that call right now. I can't yeah. because they're not, they're, they're an unfinished product. They, you you brought up Matthias Eckholm. You know, I, I was one of the things that from the game this weekend that I saw against Buffalo, and it was really really important is that for a couple minutes there during that game on Saturday and even yesterday, I'm looking at it I'm like, do they even need Matthias Eckholm? Like like this team is driving shots to the net now. They're playing a simple hockey. JVR is your leading scorer with 25 points because you're playing you're playing north south hockey. You're just taking shots and you're going to the net and you're creating chances. None of this east west crap anymore. Like, yeah. granted, it's a lot of it. it, it's part of the game still, but none of this fancy two one too many passes. They're driving to the net, they're getting they're getting garbage goals, and they still count the same as fancy goals. Yep, they're playing hard, hard hockey. As soon as like, for instance, you watched a game yesterday. On the very first pocket, drop of the puck, Gossip Spirit gets it and rips it down low, and they go initiate the forte. They're playing hard nose hockey. Whatever system they were trying to play before, whether it was a 2 1 2 or something more, they're sitting more high up in the zone and more concerned about team defense. That wasn't working, even yeah. against teams, even though they're 11 1 1. They haven't beaten really any great teams. Let's be honest here. This is a big week for them, Bill. They've beaten the the Islanders, both of them in overtime, where the Islanders climb back in both games. They've beaten the Rangers. They've beaten uh, the Devils. They've beaten the Penguins at the beginning of the season. Okay, so yes, 11-1-1, but they haven't beaten a good team like Boston. They beat Washington once. They play them again this weekend. And this is a good litmus test to see exactly what they can do. You know, yep. remember last year when we talked about them and they went on that fake streak where they won eight out of eight points and they beat Boston at some, it was right around, right before I would say sometime in early January last year after they came off the schneid and they did really well. It comes down to this. It's way too early to predict. Looking after the games on Saturday, it looked like for a few minutes, you know what? Maybe they don't need Matias at home, but they don't need Matias at home against teams that aren't as good as them. They need yes. a guy like, like Buffalo's Eichel. not making the playoffs this year. They're correct. Like, the, the, Jack Eichel is in disarray with that team. I don't care what anybody like what oh, the latest rumors are saying. He does not want to be in Buffalo. Like it, it is an absolute S show in that city. And yes, you're right. But the good thing is, and I look at it like this is they're beating the teams they should be. When in years Correct. past, we've talked about teams like the teams that they uh, took too lightly and they ended up coming away with one point, zero points, barely scratching away with even two points. Their hand, the fact that they're Buffalo has not scored on them in over two in, in 190 minutes over the last three games against them. 
That is absurd. And, and, and what, exactly how you should be handling. This well, like and think about it this way. What does that say about Buffalo and their team? Like, for right. instance, like let, let, look, look closely at the game. Look, they, they got pucks past Elliot. They got a, They hit the post and then they hit three posts against Carter Hart yesterday. Yep. So, but the thing is, is that those are the kind of games that coaches fired. How do you go two whole games that scoring a goal? Like, yeah. you, even, even yep. if it, but you see how important Eichel is to that team. And even without Eichel there, they couldn't do anything. Even with Taylor Hall, like that's been a complete bust for them. So, like, why, but, why did Taylor Hall even choose Buffalo? Like, was was he promised a bill of goods? It was, yeah, I guess so. it was Buffalo saying, Eichel, listen, we're going to give you a guy to play with and see how well you do. Part of this comes Crap. back to me is that, listen, you're going to have a team like the Rangers give up the farm for a guy like Eichel, and it's not going to work out because, look, you're going to have to blow up half your team to go get him. And then yep. realize that, wait a minute, if Eichel were as good as he was, he'd be a Connor McDavid. No slight to Jack Eichel. He's a very talented player, He's but one talented. player cannot didn't win you games. There's a reason why Connor McDavid hasn't even sniffed the Stanley Cup final, and he's the best player I've seen since Sidney Crosby, honestly, since Sidney came out, honestly. Yeah. Um, overall, look, it's not one player that makes a giant difference. It's a team effort, and that's what you're seeing out of the Flyers now is that team effort where they're all playing just the way they need to play and getting pucks to the net, generating a lot of offense, overall very responsive defensively, and timely goaltending, and that's what you need. So confidence, though, you have to see what they do this week. Pittsburgh's been on a tear. Pittsburgh's won six out of the last nine. They're playing very well. And then the Capitals won five out of the last seven. So there's a lot coming up this week where they need to kind of figure out if this is going to be – if they don't get five out of six points, not only are they in playoff trouble, but it would go to more answer your question of what are they going to do if they get to the playoffs. Yeah. But before we get into the preview, like you touched on earlier and going with the Claude Giroux return, there's something that has been turned on to JVR this year that I think we really need to have a quick discussion on. Like he's leading the team in points. He's top five, I believe, in, in, in NHL point leaders. If he's not top five, he's certainly top 10 there. JVR has always been that guy, especially now that he's come back in his second stint as a flyer. Um, it's been disappointing up until this point is, is the nice way I would categorize it. Like it hasn't been too, um, uh, too, too glamorous, but the fact that all of a sudden he has found his niche and getting, as you were talking about those dirty goals, those greasy goals in front of the net. And I'm still trying to watch. I've watched that backhand deflection, goal for i believe the third goal again against buffalo yeah it was just one of the nicest things i've seen him do and the fact that he was just like oh yeah i don't even have to look at the back of the net i know it's in uh he's oozing confidence is what i'm getting at and it's something i feel like we've been waiting to see from jvr because he was very good i thought when he was in his stint in toronto after we let him walk um or did we trade him i don't know luke shen that's right it was that trade Oh, that annoyed me so much. Because you didn't right. get anything more of them. <laughs> and not only that, the guy who did the deal with, Brian Burke, is in Pittsburgh now. Which right. I, I know a lot of people probably don't like Brian Burke. Dude, I'm telling you, he's one of the most respected hockey guys I've ever I've ever met my, seen in my entire life. Never met him officially. But you listen to his book. Oh, my God, dude. The guy is just just a good a good overall person. He's with Excel out there now. But, yeah, they, listen, JVR, people don't realize he, he – it's because again, it's the stigma because he was a second overall pick and you're considering yes. as the next coming. It's not exactly a style of play. He wasn't exactly a pure goal scorer. Now when you're talking pure goal score, talking a guy that's fancy hands. who can make a lot of, he has a really sharp shot. A guy like Austin Matthews who can just rip it. Um, 
you're, you're not, you're not talking like pure goal scorer like that. The guy was a guy who got in front of the net and he created his own chances and used his size and his hockey sense to be able to generate chances. Now yep. you want to talk about disappointing. It's not exactly disappointing. He's technically always been a really a little bit of a slow starter. This year he's off to a hot start. He got 25 points in 15 games, which is absurd for him. Yep. Um, what's important. I'm sorry. 25 points in 18 games. Excuse me. Um, but look at overall of his career. The last season shortened, he got hurt at the beginning, and then he came back and he started putting it. He scored 40 points in 66 games. The year before that, he got hurt again, played 66 games, and got 48 points. But his career high is 62. So, yes, is he 20 points short of that? Yes, but he also played 20 less games. So add that in there. You're probably talking another maybe 10, 15 points. He's right about average where he needed to be. The injuries derailed him a little bit. This year he's playing out of his mind, but he's not so much doing anything different. He's just, it's the style the team's playing. They're getting pucks to the net and he's doing his thing. He's deflecting shots like he did yesterday and he's getting rebounds and tapping them home. And he's not going to see him go down the wing and just rip one like he did in the playoffs last year, but he's creating his stances and, and he's a guy who replaced Wayne Simmons and what Wayne Simmons I was. That, it's like you're reading my mind. I think of him as he's trying to enter not enter, but he's trying to be a newer Wayne Simmons. It's just a power forward yeah. role. That's what it is. Exactly. He's, he's, he's an old school power forward. Him and Wayne Simmons are both power forward guys. Get in front of the net and put it in when it gets to you. You don't yeah. need any special skill to do that. Danny Briere, like those, yeah, yeah. Well, Briere could shoot. If you watch yes. from Briere, Danny Briere, shots, Briere yes. could pick corners. But but uh, what also he was stands- a guy who'd also find loose pucks in front because he would circle the front of the net. He'd circle yep. back around from behind and, and make shot. But Giroux, uh, not Giroux, uh, Van Riemsdyk, you just got to stand in front of it. He's going to tip it. He's going to get a rebound or he's going to create another chance where if he's his shot misses, that rebound's going to pop out for the other guy crashing the net. So it's what they're doing right now. The fact that they simplified their game, they're not overthinking it right now. It's working and it needs to continue to work. And if it does, then I'll tell you what, they're in a much better position where they, than they need to be considering they have six games in the next nine nights, considering they had to, they had to scratch Phil Myers the other day because of just healthy scratch, because you, you what's the guy you, you need him to get the rest. Yeah, and that's where just the and what actually sticking on JVR real quick. Like what also sticking out to me is he's a plus. He's he's plus eight this year. Yep. The fact that he's plus eight is is one of the for a guy who's historically I think his career is minus thirty one on his career. I mean he's played for some bad teams in terms of yeah. Toronto and Philly, but like yeah. so plus minus tells a story, but it doesn't tell the whole story. But for this it, it for this particular year. It's what it, 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 it's his best start, I think, in a long time in terms oh, of yeah. plus minus. So oh, yeah. this is uh this is a good thing to have. And, it, and it's one of the reasons why people are thinking you get a guy like Matthias Elk Elkholm and you fill the piece that you're missing. It's kind of like the pronger of 2010. When you got pronger, you immediately had that number one uh, defenseman. In this case, you're looking for that too. It fills a gap in what you're looking for. And all of a sudden you're now pushing for the playoffs and you're able, not just the playoffs, you're pushing for the cup and you're in contender in the East. If you look at Matthias Ekholm, you're, you're, you're looking, and here's the thing, like you watch the game over the weekend, and I'm thinking to myself, man, you don't really need a guy like that, especially with Phil Myers. Sure, out. but again, and they go with the, it's it's because it's a bad it's team. A, it's a bad team. You're right, and that's part of it. But at the same time, they had Phil Myers out of their lineup, and they still generate a lot of shots from the point. They generate a lot yep. of their offense from the point right now, and that's important. And here's a guy like Matthias Ekholm who is – so far having a, a pretty poor year this year. He's a plus two, but he's only got five points in the year. 
land Nashville's heading for some sort of a rebuild. They're going to want a pretty amount for him, not because he's a solid defenseman and he's only 30 years old, but because also he's got a contract that's extremely favorable for any team. So he's got yes. one year left. He's yep. got after this year, he's got one year left on his deer deal at $3.75 million cap, which is just really, really good for a defenseman because he's for his salary. He puts a very, very similar numbers to Matt Niskin. He plays a kind of a similar style where he's responsible defensively, but can push the pace up ice. Granted, he was also playing alongside Roman Yossi a lot of those years, so that can help him out a little bit. But going from Roman Yossi to Ivan Provorov is not overall that much of a transition because they're similar players in a sense where they're both top defensemen. So if you pair him with somebody like that, that could be real beneficial for the Flyers. The only issue that could pop up is because because of his salary, he's got one year left on his deal. He's almost guaranteed to be picked up by Seattle this offseason in the expansion draft. So you can't give up too much unless Fletcher and the Flyers Blash really think that they're really that close to making a run for the Stanley Cup because it could turn out if you don't want to give up a high-end prospect of a guy who's really close to coming up and not having to – because there were scouts at the game on Saturday night in, uh, in at Lehigh Valley from Nashville, so there's things, things working here. You don't want to give up a whole lot for him, especially if you can't retain him because yep. – that could hurt you more down the line than anything else. So uh, the Flyers going to be real careful here. They they do need it, but they can't overpay because there's going to be a bidding war for them. So uh, it just comes down to would he help? Yes, but at the right place, at price he would help. Right. You would. It, the basic consensus is you don't want to give up like any of the prospects that are still on this team, like what are still being labeled as prospects, I should say. Um, that are playing on the active roster. And they're not just on the, they're not just on the taxi squad. They're getting real minutes. Like some of these guys that are, that are prospects, like Phil Myers is still a prospect, obviously Limblom. Well, Limblom has pretty established himself, but like the, those kind of guys, you don't want to give up. You want to give up the second tier, the guys that are still on the phantoms that haven't done too much that you can say, we can, we can live without this. But the, again, like, I don't even know what the cap room would be if you, if you could do a, we'll only do this if we know we can tra- trade for Ekholm and it makes it work that we can now protect him in the expansion drive in C- against Seattle. Well, like, you it, wouldn't want to protect him because then you have to unprotect one of exactly. your other Exactly, right. You're better, you're better off getting a guy like him as a rental and exposing him. That way you don't have to give up a guy like Sanheim, Myers, any one of these younger guys. So, I mean... Um, they've got a million dollars in cap space left to go, uh, left. So they're, they're right up against it. Um, but they have to move somebody out who's making a decent clip. And I don't know if actually they're, they're going to do something like that. So it, it's a tough, the money could make it work. Um, but at the same time, you know, you might be having to move on with a guy like ghost, like, which would right. be the worst thing in a sense, but then you're, you're adding a piece and taking away something that could be key down the line because and ghost has played pretty well. I was say, ghost has been, has a, has had a revitalized career. Well, season, I should say, like he's played very, very well, all things considered. And he's been pretty decent with, with paired with, with Provorov, which we, I was very confident in. And I think a lot of people were, I wasn't, certainly wasn't the only one but again when you really look at these two you could see what a Ekholm could do in terms of be if he were paired with with Provorov and and just expand this or push this team that much more over the edge because if you're talking about a couple of prospects a couple of of, of a potential draft pick and then you throw in Shane just because you don't 
want to have log, clog up that that blue line, active blue line too much. Like it's a no brainer in that sense. It's just a matter of who those prospects are and what, how many draft picks you have to give up to Nashville, who, as you talked about earlier, is a they're not they're rebuilding. They're trying to get back into contention uh, after a, 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 after a Stanley Cup run a couple of years ago with, with Shea Weber at the helm. So it's it, it's going to no, 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 be Weber was gone. It was or, excuse me, not Weber. Right. With Subban. That's that's yeah. a, that was that was a fun trade when that was announced. Anyway, yeah, that's, so, that's called a hockey trade, my friends. That's called a hockey. Yeah. That's got a pure hockey trade. You don't see too many of them anymore. That was a blockbuster. So I, I, before we wrap, I, like this week is interesting because it's one of the first times in a non-playoff sense they're playing the same opponent three games in a row in, in, in Pittsburgh. And it's, again, because of COVID. That's how this thing has worked. COVID is really – but the good thing is I believe they scheduled – all of the games that were postponed, the four games that were postponed in the two weeks that uh, the Flyers were in this in this lull here, uh, it's all being made up, and it hasn't extended the season. As far as we know, May 12th still is when we're starting the season, or excuse me, the, the postseason. So, uh, And because of that, we're getting situations like this where they're playing six games in nine nights, they're playing Pittsburgh three games in a row, and then that, that uh, including a back-to-back with Pittsburgh and then Washington on Sunday night uh, this week. This, as you were talking about, Pittsburgh is on a hot streak. Thankfully, the Flyers are on a hot streak now too. You can forget, like, they're they, they're playing pretty well, all things considered, uh, whatever it may be with uh, how bad the Rangers are or how bad good, or excuse me, how bad Buffalo is. Six points is six points, and your team is handling it very, very well. So, again, this is a huge litmus test on where this team is going to be. Uh, where, where are you looking? What What's something we need to focus on for the, the pick Penguins series? I'll call it a series. Well, Overall. You're going to count it. Yeah. So they need, you have six points here that you need to nab. And then you have Washington. You need at least five points out of these. I look at as well as they're playing right now. You need five, maybe six points here, honestly. And I know we say that every week. You can't afford to lose game. You, you, of course you can't. Here's why. Listen, the Flyers have a bit of a window here. If they're able to get they're it's very unlikely they're going to get a full eight points. They do. I'll, I'll, do backflips right here on camera and you could watch me fall on my face because I can't do one. Uh, but they, if they get eight points here, that really established them because th- that would be very well because Boston's lost four out of six and they've been blown out in the last three games. They got blown out by the Rangers and then they got blown and pretty much blown out, lost by three goals or more in both games against the Islanders. So they're a little, they're, they're, they're not playing well right now after that Tahoe game. And they were, they weren't that great before them. The Cavs have won five out of the last seven Penguins, six out of the last nine. Flyers really puts to that test that 11 one on one record against teams that aren't named Boston. Yep. Uh, for them, they need to make sure they keep pace with the Islanders. And the Islanders have been a bit streaky. They won three in a row, lost two, won two. They just lost recently. And then they uh, won, lost one against Pittsburgh and they, they, they beat Pittsburgh. So they split with them. So um, they've been a little bit streaky as of late. And they're, I believe, one point ahead of them in the standings. So, uh, but the Penguins are also two points. I'm sorry. Yeah. They're one point ahead. And yep. the Penguins are two points behind the Flyers. If you lose two out of these three games, all of a sudden you're two points behind Pittsburgh and you're outside of the playoff picture looking in. And again, as I talked about at the beginning of the season, this was my concern. This team might be digging for a playoff spot. This is at least a way if you can nab four out of six points here from Pittsburgh, you give yourself a little bit of breathing room because going to a game with Washington, who's leading the division with 28 points, you're going to need, that's going to be a war on Sunday, especially after the last game they played. Um, 
And it's just tough because it's a back-to-back. Like when Correct. Because that third game, that Saturday afternoon game against Pittsburgh is going to be the chippiest of it all. Like it, it's already chippy it's a enough. Yeah. yeah, it's already chippy enough because it's Pittsburgh and Philadelphia that you know what you're getting into. Claude Giroux, uh, excuse me, Cindy, uh, Sidney Crosby, they absolutely hate each other. They, they know they hate each other. I mean, it's by the third game, you know who you're dealing with even more so. So like you were saying, like if you can get four, five points, five, like you need five, I would be happy minimum. I I know. I don't know if you can be happy with four because listen, let's be honest. Here's where, here's why I say, go ahead. I, I, here's why I say that you're, 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 it's not the end of the world because you have games in hands. You have games at hands because of the postponement. Now, it, it's weird because in years past, or in a normal 82-game season when there's no d- postponement because of a, a, of a virus, uh, it, it, these games in hands are usually made up within three or four days of each other. These, ga- these games are made up throughout the course of the season. They, the Flyers might have two games in hands, one game in hand for the next – three weeks before they fully catch up to the 56 game pace that they're supposed to be on. That's the, that's what you also have to consider. Like, yes, four out of six points against Pittsburgh does, does, does not look good in the short term, but at the same time, because you have these games in hands and Pittsburgh has already has two games ahead of you in 20 games played. Like I get it. Like that's, that's where the benefit can as long like games in hands only go so far, as long as you're bagging those points, if they don't bag the points in the games that they make up, then it doesn't matter, but you have games in hands for this exact reason or why you can sacrifice. Okay. Four points is not great. It it's, it, did you watch Chernobyl? Not great. Not terrible. It's fine. Before the, the whole thing blew up in, in, in Russia. <laughs> Was it 3.21 Rontgen or something? Yes, like yes, that? yes, yes, yeah. yes. Yeah. All right. So, okay. I, I, I hear what you're saying. And I think you're completely wrong. So, and this is why I love it. So here's why it doesn't mean because you can afford to give up points that you should, obviously. Okay. Right. Secondly, I, it's a very tall ask to play three games in a row against Pittsburgh in Pittsburgh. And then a back to back and head to DC the night at Dan Gray at free play. Yes. And yeah, and that's another key thing with fans. It's very, very difficult to go from playing Pittsburgh on a Saturday and your game three of a series where you're right. It's going to be chippy to go against the, point leading i'm not gonna say the best team in the division the point leading washington capitals right now and alex ovechkin now yeah. do you really want to go face that after he just scored a hat trick on you again yeah. uh in the last game so um i'm not sure exactly if that's going to be the best of options but if you can score five points here out of pittsburgh get two wins maybe an overtime loss or even if you drop one to pittsburgh get a point out of washington you're okay and while you're right four points isn't out of the is isn't terrible it, it's it's the, the circumstances of why you need six out of eight here is because yeah. you've got to find a way to pull out these types of games especially since you're going to be going from pittsburgh to washington if you can get six out of uh, pittsburgh and then you drop two to washington it's not bad if you get four and you don't quite get the six one and you go against washington and maybe you know or if you're in a couple game losing streak here maybe they, they win one against Pittsburgh, drop two and then have to go play washington you don't want to get yourself in a situation when then you're chasing points. So if you can have six here, you build yourself a little more breathing room. And then also you can probably overtake the Islanders at that point and give yourself even more breathing room to say, okay, 
Now we're starting to settle in. Now we're not really extending ourselves too much and really chasing after these points we could have bagged in the first place. Just the good, the good thing is, so I didn't know. I thought I, I thought the Washington game was in Washington. It's at home. But still, you got to travel. Yeah, you and still got to travel. While you're still playing Ovechkin the next day. Well, the question then is, are we going to have fans in butts and seats at the Wells Fargo Center? Um, I hope so. Your boy Jim Kenny, probably not. Hey, he's not my boy. Homeboy. I think they're playing. I think I like Governor. For those who have not seen, where Governor Wolf announced new restriction or lifted some restrictions on how indoor and outdoor events are going to happen. So for the Flyers in particular, they can allow about three thousand people in total, including coaches uh, and 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 players and staff. And so this is a good thing. Like there's going to be about twenty. 400 i think is what i read uh fans potentially in the stands like man i want fans back i I don't like i i'm waiting personally until i'm at least have one shot in my in my arm whether it's the johnson and johnson or one of the ones where i have to get two shots over the course of 28 days well if you want a shot in your arm just come on by i'll punch it real hard well there you go well done well done sir yeah god (laughs) my god i'm the worst this is why we're right. This is at the, the it's like you know we're about to wrap, so you're like, I can I can fire this thing. I can, off. I can, I can squeeze my one corny weekly dad joke in there. Listen, this is the only place I'm really gonna do it because when I say no way, she wants to kick me out of the house. So I gotta <laughs> I gotta let one loose somewhere, you know what I mean? That's fair. But like that that <laughs> if we can get fans, whether it's a thousand or two thousand, like the Wells Fargo against a team like the Capitals would be a great jumping off point for how what fans need to be in in that yeah, stands. Give a little more energy, absolutely. Especially because you're team. dealing with Pittsburgh fans, and Pittsburgh yeah. has already announced they're going to have fans in the stands starting Tuesday night and and for Thursday and for Saturday. So like it, that's going to make it that much harder. Like it, of all the sports, I think. F- home ice advantage in hockey is more important than any other sport baseball's whatever basketball i think is second and then football is uh, is one of those where it's 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 i think it's overvalued but for ba- basketball and hockey home field advantage or home court advantage is one of the biggest things you can have you as need a team your fans in your corner giving you that energy 100% agree with you if they yeah. come back this week that'd be a, that'd be a nice little boost especially if they start on sunday and I'll come off that back to back that might just be the boost you need. Hey, man, it could lead to eight out of eight if that happens. Right. Backflip right on my face. Yeah. It, oh, I can't, this is, you know what? This is why we're going to do it. We're going to eight points for backflip on your face, falling <laughs> flat on your face. That's that's why we're doing you'll this. Get a, you'll, get a, you'll get a live look at my wife taking me to the hospital. Yeah. Let's start a tick. We'll start an orange back check TikTok. Yeah. We're going to start a YouTube. Well, we're already on YouTube, but you click on the link below. We're going to post it on there. Like, this is all coming together. Eight out of eight points so Scott can fall on his face. I get a a picture of that. What are you doing? (laughs) You're going to get yourself. Oh, my God. I got to take you to hospital now. So what is your final prediction as we wrap up here on Orange Backcheck 67? How you feeling? I I still think that they're going to bag five out of eight. I think they, they, listen, I think they wind up getting – uh, two wins here out of Pittsburgh and probably drop one and then get a point out of Washington, something along those lines. So I think that five out of eight is realistic. Um, and I'm, I'm okay with that. Considering the way the schedule is set up, you have yeah. to consider fatigue here. Yep. You have to. So if they are able to do that, uh, I think that's a successful week. You can't look late out of eight. So I, I, I don't think, um, 
Yeah, I don't think anything else is. How, is I'll relevant. ask you as the goalie. Uh, we I don't think they've announced yet who the starter is going to be for. You Tuesday go Elliot. Night. You gotta go Brian Elliot. You have but to. How, what's the split then? Is it so four games this week? On, is it two and two or three it, one? It, probably. I don't know if you want to look at it split back and forth. Who starts how many? It, it depends on how well who plays. So mm-hmm. if Brian Elliot plays well, you're not going to do him back to back. You'll play Carter Hart and you'll keep rotating them back and forth until Carter Hart really takes a hold of it. And then you'll see him go back to back. I doubt you'll see uh, Brian Elliott really play too many games in a row back to back unless, uh, yeah, I don't think any more than two. And either one, they're going to go two and then you'll see the other one come in again. That's what yeah, I'm, that's what I'm it's just, it, it's one of those things where it's it, this is where you're riding the hot hand. That's how you do yeah, it. It's, you have it's to. all right. Yeah, yeah, hot have give he's earned the ice time. Yep. Give him the starts as he earns it. That's what you do. Both of I'm, them. I'm going four out of eight points this week. I I, I just I, I don't. It's not that they can't compete with these teams. These these two opponents in Pittsburgh and in in, in the Capitals, but. I don't know. I think this is a large task. It's the first time you're going to potentially play against uh, in in front of fans with Pittsburgh. I don't know. I don't think Washington is allowing it, uh, having allowing fans. So maybe you get some points out of there. But four out of eight points sounds right for me. Just just out of all things considered of how this is going to go, four out of point at eight points. It keeps you in probably in that top four spot. But to, well, no, because probably Pittsburgh will oh, jump you a little bit here. Depending you see on why how. I'm saying five out of eight points? Yeah. It's called simple math. I learned this in second. But I, but again, I, I'm coming back to those games in hand. That's where I come with, with like yes. Yeah, but does that mean be, you can blow the points I, though? I Bill? Yes, I. But like it's also not the end of the because once you make you, up those you, games. You, you hopefully, especially because... The, and what do you feel lose those games you made up in hand? Well, you're right. That, but that's why you, you got to win something. You got to bag points somewhere. Talked about it early in the year with them bagging points against good opponents or decent opponents. And now you're you're seeing it again. Like bagging points against the teams like Buffalo is the same as bagging points against Boston if you're able to do it. It's all the same. So it's Agreed. two points. It's a three. This entire week is a three-point game. But yes, four out of eight is my prediction. Uh, we thank you so much for listening. Click the subscription, or excuse me, in the descriptions below. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube. Make sure you hit the likes of, uh, and the bell icon for all our YouTube videos and our predictions for all of that good stuff. We thank you so much for listening. Orange and Backcheck at gmail.com. Uh, let's go, Flyers. We'll talk to you guys next week. Oh, dude, it's, I got to tie him off. Like, if people are like, my, my buddy said to me before, he goes, dude, why do you, like, tie your shorts off? It's weird. I'm like, because I can't freaking fit them around my waist. Yep. Yep. Uh, because they're too big. And then my, But I got to buy them big and long because otherwise they just ride up because of my freaking legs. I had my opener. Now I don't know what remember. <laughs> I got distracted because I was like, am I actually recording? I hope I'm recording.